This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, welcome to Forest Focus as Steve Cooper's time at Nottingham Forest comes to an end after he was sacked today after two and a half years in charge, cementing his status as a club legend along the way. Doesn't tell the full story though, obviously, but we'll try to in the next hour as we discuss the decision to remove him and likely bring in Nuno Espirito Santo as his successor. Was it the right call? Regardless, we'll always have that penalty shootout against Sheffield United, the wins against Liverpool and Arsenal, and much more, not least Wembley and the celebrations in Market Square. Joining to discuss that, first of all, well, we've got a panel of three elite midfielders here, so I should start <laughs> with the best of them. Uh, for current Hucknall Vets midfielder, and I think former Cardiff Mets exiles or something in Michael Temple. Temps, how are you doing? Sunday League hacker, mate. Nothing more. <laughs> Plus made a career on that. <laughs> You can say you get it all up your chest, say it to start with. Uh, I'll be as self-deprecating as you need, Matt. Don't I worry. just love that intro because normally I hear European Cup winner Gary Battles and attempts from Arnold. So I'll, I'll take it. You heard the voice there of David Prutton, former Edmund Fielder, turned broadcaster, turned actor, if you've seen the current Sky Sports commercials, their <laughs> EFL Christmas coverage. Prutz, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's 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 a nice privilege to be able to sit here and have a good old chinwag about a very, very special man. And I'm sure we're going to get stuck right into it all, aren't we? Yes. Before we do that, uh, returning after yesterday, uh, you know, a very welcome appearance again in another former Reds midfielder in Lewis McGugan. Lewis, you said a lot yesterday, but I'm sure you've got more to say. Uh, how are you doing now? Yeah, not too bad. It's been It's been a bit of a Crazy day, uh, but like Put said, I'm sure we'll we we can sit and uh, delve into it and and see if we can see if we can come to the end of it and get a, a bit of a uh, a brighter feel. That's for sure. Yeah, as you said before we started, this is football, and that kind of sums it up. But we'll have to expand on that in the next hour attempts. Uh, we should get the fans' perspective first of all. I think you're kind of the realist on our panel. I know Emily and Greg are probably in tears as we speak, but how are you feeling about it all? Emily did actually text earlier to say she was crying in the car on the on the way home. But 
I didn't say why. It, we assume it's about Steve Cooper, but yeah, sorry. Yeah, I think I think that was the, the sentiment. But like, I'll, I'll just never forget what he's done for the club. And I'm, I'm thinking back to him being being appointed in that championship season towards the end of September. We haven't won a game. We're rooted to the bottom, and he's he's come in on a on a rescue mission. I think we took 16 points from the next six games, and a month later we've beaten Bristol City two one thanks to. Lyle Taylor, and all of a sudden we're, we're four points off the playoffs. And that season turned from crisis into triumph. You mentioned the penalty shootout against Sheffield United. I had one of the best away trips of my life to, to Bramall Lane, and that was followed up by the, the Wembley experience. So I'll never forget that. I'll never forget what he's done for the club. Um, I think this is one of those rare sackings where, as fans, we understand it. It felt inevitable. We knew it was coming. Um, but at the same time, there's there's not an ounce of ill will towards Steve Cooper. He may even have another appointment with our club in the future. But when he comes back with Palace or whoever's lucky enough to to pick him up, um, I for one will will stand and thank him for everything he's done. I understand the decision, um, but after a long period, a long tumultuous period for our club, he restored a lot of pride in the badge, and for that, I'll be forever thankful. Um, before I bring Prutz and Lewis in, uh, should uh, give a word to our sponsor because I've been leaving it too long into episodes. So uh, <laughs> if you can't get tickets for Forest versus Bournemouth at the weekend and you want to see Nuno, if it is him, uh, his first game in charge, then uh, how to do that is in the description of this episode. Uh, you just have to follow the navigation on uh, social media and share the post on Twitter or Facebook. So get your name in the hat to get tickets for Forest v Bournemouth. And as ever, we very much appreciate their support. Uh, already 800 plus people with us inside the first five minutes, which is great. Do do us a favour and like and subscribe if you're new. That'd be very much appreciated. Um, Lewis Temp said, inevitable. Felt like it reached a conclusion with, with Steve Cooper, sadly. Do you agree or do you think he could have carried on and turned it around? Listen, I think uh, I think if we if we, if we look at it, uh, and we've spoke numerous times over these last last few, few weeks, I think it's I think it's come to a head either way, and I think that there's probably been uh, so much happening uh, in the background, kind of at the top end of the club, what what we're not privy to. But I feel that sometimes relationships uh, come to an end, and I think that. The main thing is that the the manager and and the owner uh, and the people uh, around the owner they have to be all on the same page and I think that for for whatever reason I think over the last couple of weeks I think that's 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 come to uh, an understanding that it's not so I think that they've made the decision. Uh, Mirror what Tem says, I think we all it's a sad day. We all have to sit here and and just look at what he's done for the football club, what he's done for the city. I think all the the good times that is built, and I think everyone in, involved in football, whatever capacity that is, I think when we all kind of think about football, we all look back at moments. We all think of moments and and situations that have happened that we've been there and we've been able to experience and witness. And I think that there's be there'll be so many in these last two years that a lot of Nottingham Forest uh, people connected to Nottingham Forest will will really treasure. Uh, and I think. That's what we have to do. We have to we have to just be thankful uh, and appreciative of of the two years that he's had and, and what he's brought to the football club and the city. But the big thing now is which he will want as well as a collective unit. We have, we now have to carry that on. Uh, and I know that's a a sad reality, but uh, I'm sure Prutz would 
put follow on. That's football. It's a harsh, it's a harsh game, a harsh reality. And sometimes, even though there's them feelings, it, it changes very quickly. And and we have a game on Saturday, and 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 Steve Cooper, first and foremost, with all the work that he's done uh, over this period, he'll want this football club to stay in the Premier League. Mm. I mean, you were there on Friday. Um... But to see the Spurs game, yeah, in yeah. isolation, did you see a a team that could turn the corner, or is it a, a culmination of you know thirteen games without a win and the kind of the cascading, kind of pulling on the string? And did it feel mm. like it was just unraveling a bit by that point? Well, I mean, it was it was a rotten run, no matter how you kind of dress it up. Um, from a, a purely pro- professional point of view, um, there was a manager there that was in desperate trouble, going off that Spurs performance. There was a lot to like about it. Everything that you, you you are describing about it that you did like about it are fundamentals, working hard, looking like you care, um, a, a nice physical edge to the way that Forrest went about attacking Spurs, but just simply not good enough. Not good enough in 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 to to jump on the back of Lewis as I was listening back to um, the pod the other day. Not good enough in both boxes by any stretch of the imagination at all. You, you can't you can't allow players time and space to put the ball into the box. You can't allow players to get, or a single player to get in between your two centre-halves. Um, and then you can't legislate for mistakes from the goalkeeper. Now, take those out. There's a lot to like about Forrest. Um, fundamentally better than what we saw in the Fulham game. The Fulham game was a disgrace. Um, and, and it got marginally better. But marginally better is not going to keep him in the Premier League. Um, and when you are in a position where a manager is seemingly going from game to game to game that's 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 not progression that's not um that's not that's there's nothing productive in that that's just waiting for the for the kind of hammer to fall on someone's time in charge so yes a lot to like from that game on friday the fight more than anything but just as has been the case over the course of the majority of this season take away a couple of pretty decent results and performances at, at the beginning just just not good enough collectively and and what always happens in this situation you don't have to be involved in football you don't have to have a, had a career in football to know this there's only one man that gets a sack it's the manager there's only one man that gets the finger pointed at him for being responsible for it it's the manager and I think um it's a bit of a different vibe with this because I think all four of us are emotionally connected to the club in a certain way and whether you then move into management and coaching like Lewis or if you you get the chance to sit and talk about it like I've done um you can't forget what's gone before and where you've been in that particular place and you're there you're in there for a blink of an eye um and I listened to Greg talk about what type of manager he was and he went all the way back to Frank Clark about I mentioned Dave Bassett on a previous one he went all the way back to Frank Clark about who about being the best manager I played for Paul Hart he was wonderful I played for David Platt he gave me my debut I will always love that man for doing that and I know that that there won't be many Forest fans that echo that particular sentiment, but in a generation, Steve Cooper has been the best Forest manager. It, there's, there's no that might offer him no solace tonight or any form of um, any form of of help with regards to what he did because he, he deeply cared about the football club, deeply cared about the job that he had. Just collectively, and when I say collectively, I mean everybody from the top to the bottom hasn't been good enough. But only one man gets the sack for that. And it's the manager. Do you think Temps, one of his biggest problems was that, as uh, Prot says, Fulham was such a disgrace that he had to go, or he felt he had to go back to trusted players and basics, but the owner's going to look at it, at it and say, I've given you all this money to buy 
Sangari and Dominguez. And the team he was putting out in the last two games, though Noble was probably unsustainable, and it, it sort of sealed his fate in a way, although I still think he did the right decision, which kind of makes me think, made the right decision, which kind of makes me think it was untenable by the end, sadly. I think if you're doing the autopsy now, you have to look at the Fulham game and probably the Luton game before that, which which mm. applied the most most pressure. Luton from a winning position, a, a draw was unacceptable. And it was the, the one game that we were supposed to win, that we were comfortable in, that we, we threw away. That was compounded by the result at Fulham. But then you, you think in between times, we, we go and beat Villa with the Mangala, Dominguez, Sangare midfield that we all thought for a brief period of time was, was the answer. And when two of those three down tools is probably a bit strong, but uh, appeared to be struggling, were making mistakes which were uncharacteristic of players of their technical ability. You, you could see that something was up. He began making half-time changes in an effort to um, address that lack of work rate. We saw Gibbs, White and Yatesy come on uh, at half-time and then he got himself into that cul-de-sac, as I described it last week, whereby he knows Czech Koyate and Ryan Yates will enact a game plan and run through walls, but he, he hasn't assimilated or, or got the best out of the likes of Dominguez and Sangare. And you can say that's cost him, but I, I think those players, and certain others as well, it's unfair just to stack it on two boys, have cost him. Because while to a certain extent we've you know, failed to emerge from this period with a, a particularly attacking identity or a particular understanding of, of quite what's gone wrong um, in, 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 the last, in the last few weeks. He has tried his very best to set up a team to win. He has had exacting standards around the words that he uses, desire and work rate, and it, it just hasn't quite, quite come to the fore. But I think the one thing that cost him, aside from the results of those two games, is the absence of Taiwo and the failure to have depth behind him when he's, when he's been out. I think it was Mark Southern who gave us that stat last week that Forrest haven't won a Premier League game in this particular stint in which Tylo hasn't been involved. And that's a really damning stat. Yes, to a point, Origi was forced upon him, but it was it was Steve Cooper's decision to sign Wood. It hasn't quite worked out. And I think any manager would struggle with the absence of that firepower at the top of the pitch. And that's, that's half of the point that um, Lewis made far better than I am now last week in saying, without that cutting edge in the box, you, you ain't going to win too many games in, in the Premier League. So, yeah, they were critical games. The Fulham was the most critical game. The Luton game created pressure, but the lack of depth behind Tywa has really cost us and ultimately cost the gaffer his job. Do you think Lewis, Steve's going to look back on not so much Everton, Fulham, Wolves and Spurs, but like Temp says, Luton, West Ham, when we gifted them three goals, um, there was that spell where we was gifting teams goals in general. Brentford, you know, there was probably four or five other games, Man United away, where we could have got points where this conversation isn't isn't happening. And then it just kind of started to unravel. Is it those games that he's going to look back on with some regret, do you think? Uh, I think that's for Luton. I think if we look at the Luton game, I think I think that was probably probably a big a big turning point. Uh being Obviously, a, a promoter team at home being two 0 up. I think that's where maybe some whispers started to happen. Like a bit of to lose that position, to lose two points there. So I think that was probably a starting factor in in, in terms of maybe maybe things things not going to plan. If I, if I'm totally honest. Um, what about the Taiwo point, Prots as well? 
Is again, are we not having this conversation if Tyro doesn't get injured? Um, how many goals has he got this season? I think he's got three or four. I'll have it. I'll I'll have a look. I think yeah, but it's all like the kind of all round package, isn't it? Of what he brings yeah. to the team that other players don't. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I think with the greatest respect to Taiwo, if if you hang in your Premier League status on that player, or, or to be honest, in fact, broaden out on single players in this particular squad, then you're massively struggling. Unproven at this level, cobbled together. How many's coming through the door? Thirty. Uh, do, do, I mean, looking at a lot of the comments, I mean, I know Steve is a very, he understands what it is to operate in a football club of this magnitude. And there's a, there's a there's a hint of the politician about you because you've got to spin plates and manage upwards. And I mean, Lewis will know this, manage sideways, keep everyone happy. But um, it, we talk about the, the players that have come in and that potential for evolution from rather than a team to survive in the Premier League, then to them flourish. Um, I don't know, strike rate point of view, how many have come in and, and done more than a handful of games where you're going, yeah, they're going to fundamentally change for us there for the better. I, I, I'm not saying for one second I've watched every minute of every game, but <clears throat> it looks to me like a team that blew themselves out of the water getting into the Premier League did a very good job of of staying in the Premier League. That, because that, that was always the first port of call, staying in it. So the, the second season should be staying in it. The third season should be staying in it. The fourth season, the fifth season. And I've said this before in this particular podcast. That's not defeatist. You are now operating in the richest league on the planet. If you don't get your recruitment right, another key thing coming off uh, what Lewis has said in previous episodes, you're buggered. You, you, you're looking at that. And there's, a, like I said... The, the performance Friday, there's a lot to like, but that's all fundamentals. Heart, spirit, fight, brilliant. You need to be technically proficient. You need to be tactically sound. Um, and the manager can only take you a certain way. As I said, the manager's the one who bites the bullet for it. But as a collective, that lack of Premier League experience, I'm not saying it's an absolute prerequisite for a player to, to, to sign for Forest, but it does help um, dealing with that day in, day out, week in, week out pressure of what it does to perform against the best teams. And when you are dismantled by a side in Fulham, who then a couple of weeks later get dismantled by someone else, something is drastically wrong. That that uh, I'm, I'm, I, that one sticks in my head because I watched it. And, and I know when people are phoning it in, you can you can smell it a mile off. So so when Steve looks, rakes through the bones of, of, of what he sees, there will be games that stick out. But the overarching atmosphere and sense of it—it's not single games. It's 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 the collective from this season. As I said, it, it, recruitment and and who they brought in, when they brought them in, what they expect from different permutations of players just hasn't hasn't um, come to fruition. Whether and again, whether that's the managers and the, and the coaching staff's uh, responsibility, we'll soon see. If Nuno comes in and gets a tune out of these players, then everyone everyone will go, well, yeah, we we, we miss him, we love him, but. It was obviously he wasn't. He ended up not being the right coach for the team. That that's mm. that's how football very quickly evolves. But if Nuno comes in and gets the same tune out of these players, then it'll be the players that everyone kind of goes, well, "Hang on, who's bringing the players in?" Yeah. Um, just before we come to Nuno, and I'll throw one more at Lewis before that. Uh, if you're enjoying this, uh, as I say, do give us uh, a like and subscribe. Over uh, 1,150 people watching us now, which is great. So uh, someone spent some money on new graphics. 
I might, might, yeah, I might have got a canvas subscription. I might just mess around with it now. I've uh, got more time on my hands. Yeah, certainly. (laughs) Um, Last one before we come to Nuno, Lewis. Do you think we kind of tried to cheat a little bit as a club this summer in the sense, like if you're playing like a game of snakes and ladders, we tried to roll a couple of sixes and climb the ladder a bit too quickly and jump ahead of Palace, Fulham, Brentford, clubs like that, when we might have tried to be a bit more incremental and the expectations have been too ambitious really and it's created sort of problems in themselves amongst you know fan expectation owner expectation pressure on the manager or actually should we just be that ambitious and just say we put the money in we need to go for it and we should have got more than we have uh ambition is good i think i think any manager uh any club in the premier league is is going to be under pressure i think that's just the reality of uh, of where you are uh Probably the, like I say, I come back to the recruitment. I, I spoke on on Monday on it. I just think that the the recruitment side, the influx of players, the amount of players, the amount of different style of players, that brings pressure. That brings a spotlight straight away because it's like, how is this manager going to deal with all these players? How is he now going to deal with the the solid squad that got you promoted? Uh, the players that you kind of depended on, what played uh, forty to. to 45 games a season to now maybe bringing in, in in different players that and it's all these that's a whole kind of story of how a manager has to deal with certain things now in that recruitment side if some of them players are coming in that that the managers wasn't too keen on uh that's also going to bring problems i know Prut said at the start of the of the show about keeping everyone happy that's that's one of the biggest jobs as as being a top flight manager is when you have a change room, you've got to understand is, is keeping the ones who aren't playing the happiest. And I feel that when you're playing, when you're winning, it's a lot easier to do. But when you're not picking up results, every every single player in that change room will want to play football. Uh, the, 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 the thing you look at it, is you look at the Fulham game, the, the result. But my thing, when you look at it, is from a chair, and I think this is where the owner's looking at it, is that he set out a team for Fulham whatever's happened, the results happen. For them to have a reaction, you've changed six to seven players. So as an owner looking at that, he's he's then looking at, well, if that's what you have to do, what's them six or seven players that you've changed, who probably we've invested heavily in this season, you're basically saying that you're going to go your way and they're not involved in that way. So where does that leave the bigger picture? And all of us connected here, all of the people watching, we've got that connection and love for, for what the manager's done because of we understand where the club has been for a very long time and, and, and where he's brought it. But the owner of the football club, he won't be looking at it like that. He won't have any emotion to it. His emotion, this is a business, and his business, he wants to work, he doesn't want it to fail. So he'll be looking at that. I've invested heavily in the te- in, in the players, in the playing, sta- playing staff. I look at the table, it's not where I want to be. I look at the result, say after Fulham, then I look at the change of, massive change of players. We're talking nearly the end of December. If we're making that many changes for a starting 11 week in, week out, where does that sit in terms of where the change room is? Because lads ain't going to be happy. Prutz will tell you, it, it won't, no. you, can't, you can't be making that many changes, six out, six, seven in, or whatever it was. People aren't going to be happy. And all these things are going to be going against the manager at the time where he's got to get results. And that's why I think that sometimes... With everything, uh, as Prutz alluded to, the week to week, 
oh, this is the day. If he gets another result, maybe there's no longevity in it. There's no longevity in it, and you can't you can't operate like that in the in the best league in the world. You just can't do it, and that's why even though it's a it's a real sad day, it's, it's that point of from all parties was it just best? Is it the best idea of of, of what's happened? And we all go our separate ways, and and that doesn't mean that Steve Cooper is not a good manager. He'll go on to have a fantastic career in management, I'm sure. But sometimes, just because a manager leaves a football club doesn't necessarily mean that he's a bad manager. Sometimes, maybe that group, he's took that group as far as it can go. Maybe the group aren't listening anymore. Maybe the group need a new voice. That just happens. And and and, and maybe we've got to that point. Sorry to put in, man. I mean, you wrap, I mean, Luke, to, to go off the back of Lucy's point there and just reading a couple of comments, if you have spent £250 million on players, if people are pointing the finger at you saying that you are a certain type of owner, maybe with Olympiacos he is, but given the fact that we've had Mark Warburton, Ito Karanka, Martin O'Neill, Sabri Lamusha, Chris Hewton and Steve, he, he's not... He, he, we're very much in the modern day of football where if a manager lasts a season, it's a good season. That's that's that tends to be the way it is. So he's not been trigger happy with this at all. It might not have been glaringly obvious that Steve was his man for the latter stages of this union. And you read reports about them not about them barely being on speaking terms. Whether that's gossip or I don't know. There's there's a lot in that. Um, but he it's I mean. <laughs> Does anyone does anyone know what it's like to spend two hundred and fifty million pounds? No, <laughs> you don't, do you? And without him coming in and taking the club over, there's an argument to say that Forrest is still languishing in the Championship somewhere, or someone takes over that's an owner with um, aspirations of being there, but empty pockets, and suddenly you're you're in the position where you've got supporters throwing tennis balls on a pitch, going, "No one's getting paid. What on earth's going on?" And again, that's the other end of the spectrum. But what he's done in 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 the ruthless businessman way that he has has got Nottingham Forest to the Premier League for the best part of it, for the first time in over 20 years. Yes, everything's collective in that. The management, the players, um, and not least the supporters creating everything together. I totally get that. But I understand, given, as I said, our, our kind of backgrounds with Forest and talking about it, there, there, is, there is a slight element of, of emotion discussed here. But take away that and discuss it as journalists, as ex players. Um, the form was terrible. Performances were terrible. Players looked uh, undercommitted. Ma- uh, that's why the manager goes. And it's not necessarily... He, he doesn't have to be chased out of the football club because he hasn't been chased out of the football club. He's been moved on. There's there's so many... There's the vast majority that you look on social media, you've got grown men crying at the city ground because he's gone. And I'm, I'm not saying that in a condescending or taking the whatever term that shows what he means to the football club and what he's done to reinvigorate a certain kind of tranche of the of the of the fan base about the football club but but these things happen something beautiful occurs and then people move on we're going to come on to talk about Nuno in a minute played a wonderful brand of football to get him into the into out of the championship and into the premier league at wolves consecutive seventh place finishes yet they still found time to say cheers for that can you bugger off now <laughs> The brutal truth of it is we all know this absolutely happens. We absolutely all know that it happens. When he's a likeable coach, when he's done something that no one's done in a very long period of time, that's why there's an emotional anchor to it. If we if we revisit this discussion at the end of the season and Forrest finishing the top half, so 
I'm not saying that Steve Cooper's forgotten because his legacy will live on and it will be it will be one that so many people will cherish. He's made Premier League footballers out of players that would not have got there by themselves. People weren't cherry-picking Forest players going, oh, yeah, you'll do. Absolutely not. Again, I've mentioned Leeds on this podcast before. Marcelo Bielsa did the same with good championship players, got them to the Premier League. And nowadays, getting to the Premier League, it's it's the cachet of being in the Premier League. It's the money of being in the Premier League. There's there's a, there's a laundry list of players that should be thanking their lucky stars that Steve Cooper came into that football club and got them into the Premier League. But then managers move on, players move on. The next port call is the next game. The reception mm-hmm. for Nuno. It's, I mean, the king is dead, long live the king. That That's that's what football is. No one will forget what Steve's done, but everyone's got to get behind what Nuno brings. Um, let's turn our attention to Nuno then. Uh, as Pratt said, a lot of success at Wolves, won the championship uh, with a very good team, to be fair. And suits Hell's having Champions League standard players, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I was going to say, consecutive seventh place finishes. But, I mean, you look at that team, uh, I was researching him earlier today, very strong goalkeeper, Rui Patricio, strong spine of a team. Uh, Willie Bolly was there, Roman Saiz, Connor Cody, a back three, two in midfield, Ruben Neves and Jair Moutinho, Diego Jota, R- uh, Raul Jimenez in his prime up front. That's a good side and he's done a good job with it. Uh, goes to Spurs and has a bit of a shocker. Um, but he was on, perhaps on a bit of a hiding to nothing with the way he was like 19th choice for the job and you know was undermined from the start. And then Saudi Arabia, I haven't read too much into it, but he won the league there. But you know, what good league that one, um, yeah, exactly. So fans have got re- reacted really negatively in a lot of cases, temps, and some have reacted really positively. I can see positives and red flags around Nuno personally, and we perhaps come on to those. But what's your initial gut take on it if it is Nuno? Well, it is Nuno, isn't it? Like he's he's, um, he's in the UK now, and he's here for here for one reason. Do you remember that period of time when Wolves signed every Portuguese player worth having, and then we got all the dregs <laughs> off the floor, paid three times more than we should, and then bombed them all off on loan to Olympiacos? <laughs> Hopefully, that's a sign that we're we're going to get um, an element of uh, of positive recruitment through through this fella. Look, it's a it's a mixed CV. I think the the Wolves experience is the the most relevant. Um, he, he is popular and, and remains well respected by um, Wolves fans. It went wrong at Spurs, which is a, another one of those clubs, frankly, where ambition of supporters doesn't quite match to what they've achieved on the field. Saudi Arabia was a money job and you know any, anything can, can happen there. Um, he ended up getting the, the chop and, and here he is. My read on this is that Lopetegui was probably first pick. I think he was probably approached at some point in the last couple of weeks and his reluctance to to, to jump um, gave Cooper that additional time, during which we hope there'd be an improvement. There wasn't, and, and, and here he is. But we've got to get behind the new fella, right? So that the, the only way that uh, we prevent this, our club, um, going back to the old ways of knee-jerk sackings and a, a bit of a revolving door, is, is if Nuno has a, a period of success from now. If that happens, if there's an immediate uptick in form, or indeed if we have a positive January window and find ourselves easing towards mid-table, then the emotion of this de- decision um, may well be quickly forgotten. And what, what is a very fickle business in which the success of the previous Saturday can quickly banish memories of, of a month ago. So this is a fella with Premier League experience at a provincial club. This is a fella who has forged a reputation for himself on merit, wasn't handed it on a plate, had to navigate 
a championship season and then duck and dive and set up a team to to uh, maintain a place and ultimately climb the ladder in in the Premier League. I think he's well qualified to do that. Uh, I'm behind him. I don't think we were all particularly enamoured when we signed Steve Cooper, right? There were shouts for Eddie Howe and people getting excited and carried away about all all kind of names. So, um, yes, I am behind the new manager. Uh, I wish him every success. And I think it's important that he has that because the last thing I want is a return to the days where managerial life expectancy at Forest was sub six months. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I asked my Wolves uh, friends about him, um, Lewis, and they're big fans. They love him. And they say, I know he's got this rep of the football being terrible. I mean, they actually said to me it was only the last season where it was terrible. Uh, the big worry about that is it was terrible because they sold Diego Jota and Raul Jimenez had that horrible injury in November. Mm. And they were sixth in the league at that point. They won at Arsenal and then it rapidly went downhill and they couldn't hit a barn door, which is one of the red flags because we haven't got anyone who can do that at the moment. But he did do a very good job and maybe his reputation is a bit misplaced around the football. You know, the back three works, Steve Cooper-wise, the counter-attacking football is what the principles that, you know, brought us to the dance in a sense. So what's your kind of gut feeling if it is Nuno or when it's Nuno? I think if you if in football players managers, I think that if if you do your homework and look back, there's going to be some clubs that like them, some clubs that don't. Like that's just the reality. I I think if you have a good spell at a certain club, a, a fan base is going to have a different opinion of you. So I think sometimes you can't read read too much into that. I feel I feel that the Wolves squad that he assembled, granted he had a very very good uh, squad in the Championship. Uh, a lot of what would you say ready-made Premiership players. Funnily enough, I can recall I, I watched a, a a podcast with Connor Cody uh, probably two three months ago, and he actually spoke about the manager when he come in and the and and the he actually sat with him on the plane on the way to pre-season, and it was the first time that he stated that he wanted him to play in the back three, and he had this massive plan about what he wanted the team to be, how he wanted them to be effective in it. And everything that he said on that plane, Conor Cody said he, he achieved. 
every every plan that he set out, what he wants to do. So he, he clearly knows what he clearly knows what he wants to do. He clearly has has that uh, experience behind him. You can look at the other clubs in the Tottenham stuff. There's a lot of good managers. You look at Mourinho and Conte who have failed at failed at Tottenham and have not really pulled up any trees at Tottenham. So that can happen. I I, I think it, it's it's really Adam and, and and we listen to what Temp said in the sense of that if he does come in, we have to give him the opportunity. Uh, we have to be be right behind him because, like I said, when Steve Cooper got the job, there was probably a lot of uncertainty. In the fan base and 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 probably wasn't sure and a look how that turned out. Uh, so I think the football club we are. I think that the most important thing is we've got to now get results. And the only way we stri- try and get results and help the team get results is is by being connected and 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 being all, all one on board. So I think come Saturday, I think in the in the especially the early fixtures, we have to do everything as a fan base uh, and as a club. To, to welcome the new manager, understand that yes, we're very thankful of what's been before him, but it's 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 now a new era, and a new era is now to keep this fantastic football club uh, in the Premier League. One of the successes or foundations of his success, Prutz, was that it seems like he had a very tight group of players. I mentioned mm. the spine. I mean that that core group played, you know, virtually every game in the Premier League. Uh, uh, reading up on him, and I don't, I'm pretty sure this is accurate, but it's only a few articles. They said when he went in Spurs, he struggled with a bigger squad, getting the best out of a group of players. It wasn't what he flourished with at Wolves. Obviously, you know, at Forest, we've got this huge squad. Mm. There's going to be challenges there mm-hmm. for him. Do you think he's going to have to go in and actually just circle the wagons around a group of players and try and find a consistency of selection we've not had this season? And then come January, we're going to have to, or come on to transfers, but generally mm. we're going to have to clear out, uh, you know, quite a few players potentially. Yeah, it, it's, when you are carrying that many players, it's, it is a tough one because going back to what we said earlier on about it, just not necessarily what it is about getting them in the team. It's about keeping that kind of harmony, which has been quite clearly a challenge this season with regards to players that have been there for a very long time and the influx of new players. Um, what, it's intriguing. Lewis is saying about him sitting down with Connor. I mean, he made an England player out of Connor Cody, and Connor's a very good footballer, very respected and very responsible footballer, and bought into what he'd done. The way that he enjoyed playing football, you look at that last season, of course, at Wolves when things had not quite gone right, but enjoying a three-four-three with the wider parts of the pitch used to attack the opposition, good in transition. Daniel Podence is a name that keeps getting chucked to P. He was phenomenal under Nuno, wasn't he? As was Traore, Pedro Neto. These these players that were probably, as we'd seen in the championship, the ones that were there in the championship were, were way above the level and, and comprehensively danced away into the Premier League and then showed why they were able to sustain that particular type of finish uh, and get themselves into Europe. So there's, there's a real... Um, there's a real, there's, there's, if, if you if you take away the emotion of what we're of what we're talking about here and look at a new manager um, appointment, there's a lot to be positive about. There's a lot to be kind of looking forward to. The Spurs situation would have meant that he came across players of a slightly different ilk. Um, and your reference to to what is expected from that fan base over what they're delivering, that that's why the term Spurs gets thrown around because good players just didn't really win anything. And that, that's kind of 
um, the stick that you beat Spurs with, whether that's accurate under Ange, that's a different that's a different podcast entirely. Um, but I think the experience that he's got, the manner that he he manages players, whenever I've kind of been in his company, which has only been from a work point of view, very composed, very passionate though about what he wants from the side, and given the players that he has got, undoubtedly a new manager's going to come in and get something, obviously, as long as it fits within FFP, he's going to get something to play with in, in, in the, the window. There could be a case for seeing a Forest team that he solidifies defensively, steps up to play on the counter-attack, gets the, the best players and the fittest players back up the top end of the pitch and finds a way of playing that gets Forest to some form of safety relatively soon. You know what I mean? And And, and that's what happens when you start scratching your head and delving deep into what he's got because you mentioned your, your, your Wolves mates um, and like I said that life cycle of being at a football club they'd have got sick of him that's just the way it goes managers are there they do great they kind of dip a little bit and then they move on that's just the way that that kind of roundabout goes around so there's his first port of call is getting the best out of the players that he, he's got at his disposal getting and, and to put it bluntly getting rid of the wrong ones the ones that are here getting paid well and have done not very much so far. I mean, and, and that isn't a case of naming names because there's a few that fall under that bracket because, as I said, you get performances, spineless performances like we've seen and not think that there's something a little bit smelly with some of the players there. Mm, I think, and I would have said this about Steve Cooper attempts, the biggest challenge for me is the January transfer window and getting it right because I don't think the football club can sustain all these signings. I feel like there's a foundation there now and we've got too many players. I think we have to clear <clears throat> quite a few out and we have to nail it in terms of getting a striker, uh, probably a winger and potentially a goalkeeper. You know, Nuno's a better goalkeeper than I'll ever have been, so he can decide on that. But <laughs> to me, I know I keep coming back to recruitment, but I think getting this January transfer window right will probably decide as much as anything where we can finish this season is that fair or do you think the, the the onus is much more on the manager to get you know more out of the players than Steve Cooper managed? Improvement from within at centre-half and centre-midfield, mid, certainly. I think striker is the priority for recruitment. I think that the goalkeeper thing is a, is a bit of a hindsight call, isn't it? I think it's inevitable now that we'll continue to rotate between the two and wait for them to um, perform strong enough to stay on the side or, or have a howler and found themselves falling out of it I'm I'm probably less motivated to, to seek to recruit a, a winger I think in Callum Hudson-Odoi and Anthony Langer we have decent enough quality there in the games that we're going to play that that system um, I, I don't see Morgan Gibbs-White being being hung out wide um, anymore now now Nuno's on his on his on his way in um, so yeah cr- critical recruitment the goalkeeper things are a, a valid point actually because We've really struggled since the, the fallout with, with, with Brees, haven't we? Uh, what a mistake that is. And not one of Steve Cooper's making. There's this machine around him. There was this machine around him at Forest, whereby the ownership, like the European model of having a coach who, yes, make, makes recommendations, but ultimately, ultimately manages the, the squad that's put on the training ground for him. And the failure to pay Brees Samba the, 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 cash, the cash he wanted is, is one of those hindsight mistakes pulled off a bit of a worldie and getting Dino on loan and then the groin injury and the Kalon Navas period um, comes in he finds himself injured and now now we're sat with these two guys 
on decent wedge who probably both think they're Premier League number ones but seem to be falling just short of, of the mark. So I, I don't see us addressing that issue through recruitment. I think they'll want a, a winner to emerge from those two. There are more than enough decent centre-halves at this club to, to get a, a side out there, whether it be with a back three, back four, back five. Centre mid, we have, we have to get... Yeah. <laughs> bigger and bigger <laughs> Well, look, we, we, we have to find a way, for me, mm. to get the best of Dominguez and Sangare back in this side. And that's the kind of Villa performance, not the Fulham performance. Maybe a, a, you know, a continental coach who's um, perhaps a, a little bit more worldly-wise in, in terms of the habits, demands, requirements of, of footballers of, of, of that type is, is, is required. Maybe that's where, where Cooper fell down. Ask yourself which players he, he improved and added, added value to. You can make a case for Mangala. You can make a case for, uh, for, for Taiwo. But there are a lot of individuals there who, in the squad this is, that were waiting for a change of gaffer. They need to step up and impress because I want to see players emerge from the existing pack in addition um, to, to a, a more potent backup centre-forward to slide in behind Taiwo. Mm. Is that the big thing, Lewis? You've touched on this before. There's going to be players who we haven't even thought of. Like um, It's probably too late for Andre Santos. But there's going to be players of that ilk who haven't kicked a ball who are going to think, right, this is my chance. And do you think there might be one or two that might emerge from the pack and, and take it? Because like you always say, some players are going to be quite happy, frankly, that Steve Cooper's gone and some are going to be gutted. Yeah, 100%. 100%. When you get a change of manager at any club, I, I guarantee you within the next six to eight weeks, there'll be a player that's come out of nowhere what's hardly played any football and is going to be a massive focal point of the new team going forward. And on the, on, on the, on the opposite of that, there'll be a player that's probably played a lot of minutes, maybe finds himself uh, at the team and at the squad. That would just happen. Uh, I, think, I think the big thing in terms of the recruitment in January and the January window, I think, which will also be a really important thing for the club, but especially to the manager trying to create coming into the build, he'll want to get a few people out the door. It's impossible to have 20 plus 25, we're talking about 25 players training. Just just from a manager's from a training point of view, the little things like putting on sessions and stuff like that, it's it's in, you, you that's why you hear a lot of managers talk about I need to get the squad to a smaller size, I need to have a smaller number. And normally managers work with 18 to 19 first-team players. Then you have a few youngsters who come in at times uh, to watch the load on the first-team players. But to have 20-plus, you're talking 25 first-team players, it just wouldn't work. It doesn't work for the players. There's too many. There's too many around. And I know that he worked with quite a small squad at Wolves. Uh, and that was, at times, people said that was that was what kind of hindered him at times. Uh, but he would, he would want to... There'll be a few people... I'm sure uh, he'll want to try and uh, leave the leave the club in in January, and mm. that's what will happen. And, and and the players will will evolve, and he will build relationships with. He'll do his own work. All his staff will do his own work before he comes in. He'll know a lot about these players, but straight away it's that personal contact. Sometimes, as puts told you, sometimes you'll meet a manager, you'll speak to a manager, and you think to yourself, "I've got to lift that new lease of life. This is someone I feel like." He wants me around, but it can also be that other way. You can a manager can come in the door. You can be a, a an important part of the player, and straight away within the first week, you know, yeah, this is this is not going to work. He's we we're not, and that's just personal relationships. 
And that's what happens in football. It's a revolving door. Doesn't mean anyone's anyone's less of a person or not. That's just what happens. Some people leave. Some people come in the door. Thank you for your time. And it will just move on. And that's what he will now, as soon as he gets in, in, in into the building, uh, he'll be doing his homework and be making sure that I've got to get this squad to a smaller number at first. I've got to get this team believing in uh, and understanding what I want to do. And, and he won't be able to do that with, uh, with that amount of, of, of first-team players. I've been intrigued to know what his, the remit is for Nuno between now and the end of the season. Because if you look at the... T- I mean, if he finishes 17th with Forest, but above, and obviously but literally above the bottom three, is that then deemed a success? Because if you look at Everton with Sean... Palace, I mean, potentially you've got the the twist effect that might have a certain Steve Cooper in charge then before the end of the season. You just never know, dear. Bournemouth, Wolves, Brentford, Fulham. Are we? Uh, do Forest believe that they are better than those teams? I'd like to think that they that they think that they're better than the three teams that have just gone up by virtue of the fact that they've been in the Premier League a year longer. But no, I, I, squad wise, results wise, performance wise, Forest in seventeenth is kind of absolutely where they should be. There's, there's not Brentford what they've done in cementing themselves in the Premier League Fulham I think they they showed a way of doing it in different ways they went up spent 100 million quid got relegated they went up again spent less and still got relegated they then consolidated but if if and maybe that's been slightly defeatist and maybe the, the owner's got huge aspirations for Nuno Nuno's got ambitions that meet that but on current squad and seeing it with your own eyes, as all four of us have, that club is a 17th place Premier League team. That so so if he if he if they remain 17th, is it a, a round of applause at the end of the season for the job that he's done? I, I don't know. Bruce, so I, I pride myself on being quite considered, but yeah, I, I was in that group getting a bit carried away, or at least thinking we were solid mid-table after the after the Villa game, off the back of. The resilience in that run of draws beforehand, mm. beating Chelsea away, bagging twice at Man United, staying in the game to a point at Arsenal. I, I saw a, a big improvement there. And the, at the Villa game, we had evolved. We were playing with two centre-halves. We did have three centre-mids who we thought were technically gifted and could live with the Premier League and offer that little bit more than, than just running through walls. But we had a bit of a... Um, debate a couple of weeks ago about that that period of consistency mm. consistently losing was what flipped the trigger in a, in a lot of fans minds so I, I think yeah we do realize now we're in a battle and we're blessed that three promoted teams don't look particularly well well equipped um to to, to surge away from the position that they they find themselves in um, but I think that's that's probably what's attracted and give faith to the the new manager coming in. He's watched plenty of film of the the first nine ten games of this Premier League season to see there's a side in there somewhere. There's an, an evolving style of play. There's some players that you you could build a spine around and get excited about. And then they've seen it spectacularly unravel from the West Ham game onwards mm. to the point that we we find ourselves now. But there's it. There's enough ingredients in that in that car park to to put an eleven out that can restore some faith in the supporters' mind and engender the kind of thoughts that we had in and around that Villa game, where it did feel briefly like it had all clicked. Do you think just Kenneth, on that? Sorry, no, go on, Lewis, please. Just on just on Prut's point about where we are and where we expect to be, and I think sometimes that's when you look at it. If you look at the 
yes, okay, we're still... We've looked at the mid-table teams, right? You look at West Ham, Brighton, Chelsea, Fulham, Brentford. They're mid-table. This, the, 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 they're mid-table teams. Look at the teams we're talking about. These are teams that have been in the Premier League for a, a good amount of time, that have invested year on, year out, good Premier League players, and that's mid-table. So, like I said, I think Prut's point's right in... I think we've also got an understanding of, yes, OK, we've spent money, but we've got to have a bit of sense of reality of of where do we actually think we should be? Because if we're talking mid-table at least, well, that's mid-table. They're the clubs that we're talking about are mid-table. Now, in terms mm-hmm. of the journey, in terms of structure, we all know, we, we are a long, long way away from, from them kind of football clubs. They are big, big football clubs. You look at, look at what Brighton have done over the last... Look at the investment and look at the way they've run the club. You look at talk about Chelsea. Chelsea are tenth, like mm. Chelsea, and, and that's the. So you 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 then look at further down. You've got them Wolves, Bournemouth, Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace are fifteenth. Look at what Crystal Palace have done year on year out with hardly any investment. They just churned out. They stayed in the Premier League. Stayed in the Premier League with the same kind of core players. They may have added a few for free chances or, or less money, but they're, they're experienced at doing it. So I think that we always want progression. We always want to do better. But I think constantly staying in this in this league, staying in the Premier League, first and foremost, that's the most important thing. Mm. But does finishing 17th present you with two problems? I'll throw one at Temps and one at Prutz. One Temps... It's a bit of a PR problem because a lot of fans are going to say, well, we could have done that with Steve Cooper. Why have we made the change? So, And also the owner's going to think, well, I want to finish higher than that. So he's going to expect more. And then I'll come on to a football problem for, for Prutz in a sec. But what do you think about <laughs> Christ, that? Is that fan? the way around you're going to put that? <laughs> That's a different question for you, don't worry. Send it um, to this better of beer. <laughs> <laughs> but from a fan point of view, thanks. Well, it, it depends what you mean in in, in the sense of, of of a problem. Do I do I think the manager's at risk if he if he barely survives? Well, no, hopefully not, because I, I don't want to become that that knee jerk club. And it, it's a, a pretty tough situation for any manager under any circumstance to come in just ahead of the January window and transform something mid season. What are you going to do? It happens time and time again. He's going to publicly or privately bemoan an imbalanced squad, try to shuffle a few out, try to bring a few in, work out who's buying in and who's going to be in the bomb squad. Lewis said it, there'll be surprises in both direction in that sense. So um, what is the fan expectation? It's an upturn in form and improvement. I think to get fan sentiment uh, behind Nuno, he has to to cruise away from the, from the relegation zone and Build, build some daylight, find two or three clubs that we can ov- overcome to propel ourselves towards 15th, perhaps. That would be that would be par for me because I think the players, to Prut's point, have been underperforming. We shouldn't be a 17th, place, uh, 17th placed side, but the team that we're selecting at the minute, that's the, that's the sum total of their results. But no, I, I hope he's not. Uh, under under pressure for his job. This fellow hasn't even signed his contract yet. We haven't even had the, the picture of him <laughs> Shaking hands and, uh, and and holding the shirt. So no, please don't level that at me. Um, no, no, I meant from, even uh, I meant fan perception, and I'll come on to one more question. Not not keeping his job perception. No, that'd be crazy. But um, just from a football point of view, Prutz, if you finish seventeenth, you know, mm. you stay in the Premier League. That's great. 
next season's Premier League is not going to have three rubbish teams coming up. Well, not rubbish is harsh, but three teams that have less resources than the ones that are likely to come up in probably Leicester, Leeds, Southampton or or Ipswich. Mm. You need to have some momentum, I guess, and some setup going into next season. You, You can't just cruise or you know stumble to 30 points you need to mm-hmm. devise a plan and have some kind of setup going forwards even if we aren't in relegation trouble yeah you do um and that's it's, it's a really good point to make that you've it, it's slightly cut before the horse because the the the, the disastrous permutation to this is for us go down and those three mm. come past them and it becomes a completely hypothetical point that then you are out on the outside once again looking in so that's obviously what this this change has been about to preserve that. That's 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 point one on the agenda is keep is now keeping Forest up. Not anything other than that. It's making sure that there's three worse teams than they are. Then after that, if there is that progression, then it becomes about getting what you've got with these players and maxing them out. Is is Taiwo going to be the player that scores you the goals that keeps you in the in or makes you competitive? Sorry, in the Premier League jury's still out and whether that's to do with fitness time will tell he needs more minutes on the pitch doesn't he and then you need to play in a way that does service that particular play Gary mentioned it the other day about balls into the box uh, quality into the box we saw Sparks and Nico going deep into the opposition territory and getting balls into the box but nothing really came of it if that's what they want if that's what Nuno wants from his players as he historically did with Wolves attack down the wider parts of the pitch be very good in transition, a good counter-attack inside with quality players, that garnered him results. Now we'll soon see whether this level of player is one that he's comfortable with working with. And if it's not, as as, as talking about Lewis's point, um, then you do get players out. The squad is big. If, you, if you're looking around and you've got an 11 v 11 on a Monday morning and you've still got players that aren't on the pitch, some something is drastically wrong there. And don't worry, I've been in that position where I've not even been in the 11 v 11 and I've been that one going, <laughs> any chance? And not not been able to get in the team, so it doesn't work for the player, and it doesn't work for the for the squad and the coach because there's there's just too many. So that's what that's what they've got to be wary of. So that that question does come up, but further down the line, that's when yes, we're safe. Oh Christ Almighty, we've seen these three that are coming up. Right, we've got we've got to we've got to get our heads in the game now and see where where we're next going to go. Because like you say, momentum wise, the positivity that comes from a team getting promoted can propel them on. We've seen it in recent in seasons with teams that come up and look relatively comfortable in the Premier League, but then obviously reality bites. Um, so there's, there's going back to the, the quality of the squad, there is a good team in there that's capable of staying in the Premier League. Absolutely, there's a good team in there. That, kind of jumping on the back of Tempest's point there. It's just whether this manager is that man to get it out of them. There was another comment saying about who'd come and play for a 17th place Premier League team. Well, let me tell you now, we, <laughs> 17th place Premier League team will still make you a very, very, very wealthy man. That's why you go and play for anybody in the Premier League, regardless of who they are. If you get a chance to go to the top, brilliant. The rest of it, there's, you're not slumming it. Believe you me, this day and age, you're not slumming it in a team that's in 17th place when it comes to wages in the Premier League. Mm, true, true. Um, how important is a good start, Lewis? I'm just looking at the fixtures. Obviously, you've got Bournemouth at home on Saturday, Newcastle away, May night at home before Christmas, and then it gets a pretty tough run going all the way up to about 16th of March when it really turns with some positive fixtures. Obviously, we're in pretty wretched form. So some early momentum here, a couple of wins out of the next three, four points out of the next three, anything like that would really 
you know, set the ball rolling in a positive manner. But similarly, if you lose the first three, you, you, you know, you're really worried. So if he can get going quickly, it's going to really change the mood around the football club in the right way, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. I think any, any new manager that walks into a football club, first and foremost, he wants to, he wants to get off to, to a good start. I think if you look at the fixtures and, yeah, you can, on paper, they look daunting. But I can remember back to our live show when I, when I spoke about the, the first kind of away fixtures that we had and how daunting they look on paper. But I also say if you go and get a result, if you go and get something, if you look at the Chelsea performance away, straight away it shifts and changes the mindsets. So you're looking at the, for for example, the Manchester United game at home, tough task. But if you go and get a result there, look, look, look what that can do. Like it can completely change everyone's narrative, and and that's football. And and you know what we we sit here now and, and we and we talk about what's happened. But if but if the new manager comes in and wins the first three, uh, Steve Cooper will be kind of down in the in the in the in the thoughts. And that's just that's just football the way it is if we, if a new manager comes in and he loses the first three then everyone's going to sit there and say what a disastrous decision it was to get rid of the manager did that that's just how it is that's just how fickle it can be we all say it's not but it is that's the truth and if the new manager comes in if it looks like it's going to be new no whoever it is if he starts off and gets three wins out of three you say like that everyone's going to be in a completely different headspace everyone's going to be what a great decision by the owner and that's and that's where we are. So I think first and foremost, we just have to wait and see, and look on Saturday. Look how he wants to do stuff. He's going to come in throughout the week. If he is, he's going to address the media. You're going to you're going to hear him speak. You're going to see what he wants to do. His ideas because we could all be sitting here thinking he's going to do this. He's going to do that. This is his remit. That might not be his remit. Well, let's hear from him first. Let's see how he carries himself. See how he speaks what he wants, what he's looking for. And then you look at the game on Saturday. If you get a positive result there, maybe we're having a completely different conversation uh, this time next week. Mm. Probably already knows what he wants to do, Prost, doesn't he? He's probably watched every game back on video or he's probably going mm-hmm. through the process, isn't he? I would imagine. He'll have some formulation of a plan in his mind already. Yeah, hopefully he's a bit more of a modern man that is not watching things on video. Christ, what, what's what's going on in the Davies household? Is it a bit Betamax <laughs> all the way watching grainy footage of... Me soiling the shirt back twenty years. <laughs> I would, I would like to think, um, yeah, that there, that there will be a hefty level of um, of pre prep, um, and to know, because again, Marinakis is a businessman, and and the, some great comments actually just making the point that it's not signed and sealed yet. When no, if something no. breaks down in the interim, and yeah, no, no, I'll do this. Oh, sorry, it's not Nuno, right, Glasner, right. What will he do? He'll do this. Lopetegui, what will he do? Um, and he's chosen to stay living in Wolverhampton, eh? which is uh, bizarre. But um, the the sense of what he... It, it, it'll be a daunting pass, but he, he is a professional who's worked at the the sharp end. That's, that's why he's come back to it. And that's why he wants to get back in... Um, to not, uh, into English football, and specifically with a big club like Nottingham Forest. It, it's... It, it it's it with, with any new appointment obviously barring say Cluffy going to Leeds back in the day and then look how that turned out that ended up pretty well for everyone involved didn't it coming to Forest but there the, the should be an open-armed element of well we want the best for you because you inherently want the best for us there's a professional 
uh, respect there that starts. If it becomes something deeply personal, like Steve managed to do, that is the absolute icing on the cake following a football club. But if he's professional, successful, and pushes Forrest in the right direction, then again, like Bruce is saying, there's a, there's a there's round of applause all round because that then then the decision's justified, isn't it? Um, but there won't there won't be. I can't think for one second that he wouldn't have had people watch the games. He, he, football managers are fraternal in in kind of word and deed, but there's only a finite amount of clubs that you can manage in the Premier League. There's only 20 of them. So, so, so people are constantly looking and waiting for you to get sacked, which, again, there's a broader discussion in there about the potential mental health aspects of being a manager. It must be a torridly lonely existence at times. That wonderful minute that you get when the final whistle goes and you've won, it must be fantastic. And the lads go off and celebrate. And you're sitting there going, thinking, God, they've got to keep me in a job in two days' time again. What what do I do now? So Nuno will be ruthless in this job. He will be absolutely ruthless. If you're not pulling your weight, you'll be gone. Marinakis will back him to say, well, have a look at the squad. Tell me what you think about the squad right now and we'll do what we can uh, to get the results that we need. And that's the thing in it, Temps, when you look at it from a fan's perspective. Um, to be successful and loved, that they feel to me like once in a generation appointments, don't they? To be successful, yes, you can take that brilliant, but to be su- successful and loved like Steve was, that you you understand how special they are, and that's why you embrace them in the way that you have. Yeah, I thought you were going to come in on that, Tams, but you're still muted. Let me ask it's you a question it. before you it's come in quickly. Then, um, following on from that, people were messaging me saying, "Oh, we should have a round of applause for Steve Cooper and stuff like that, a minute's applause." I, you know, not for me because I just think you're undermining the new man straight away. Is King is dead, long live the King type thing, isn't it? In the ground on Saturday when we're taking on Bournemouth. Look, uh, yeah, I don't think there's anything we we could do as fans that he he doesn't know already. He has had incredible loyalty from the fans. It was deserved. He engendered it himself. Walking through those doors on your first day at Forest is quite an intimidating thing. When you see Cloughy on the wall, you see two stars and those two European cups in the in the boardroom. And there's been lots of examples of managers shying away from that. If you listen to some of the stories from the Billy Davis era, he was covering posters up, whipping those boys down. You know, Gary Bertle certainly wasn't welcomed down to the training ground in, in the manner that he that he that he is now. So that that is an intimidating thing. Steve Cooper embraced that, bringing in the ex-players, having a beer with you know Gary and John Robertson and and those boys. It's um, yeah, a really incredible thing. And and I think hopefully there's a bit of a playbook there that others that come into our club can can learn from because plenty haven't plenty have been intimidated. They've shied away. Uh, he's re- he restored that expectation in the club. So yeah, I think that's the 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 main point that that, that I want to make tonight is that. Whilst this is a, a really, really sad ending, and sorry I've gone off on a on a tangent and haven't answered you and haven't answered your question um, directly, he he should be remembered for having uh, an instant impact. It's just such a shame it's fizzled out. True. Right. Uh, one final reminder, because there's so many people with us, thirteen hundred people. Do us a favour, like and subscribe. With my very impressive homemade video, love that. As a big man. I know. Thank you. <laughs> it, it screams A level coursework, but yeah, we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take Sorry, it. It's better than what mean. I had before. No, God, the crap I give you. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you far worse. Don't worry. Right, I think well, we're so, coming. Someone to... said my decorations are League One and Tempsey's Christmas tree <laughs> Premier League, which I thought was very. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is a good Christmas tree. 
I might post a picture on Twitter of my Christmas tree in response to that because it's absolutely uh, horrendous. Uh, Mate, I've noted down a few comments. Can I can I read some to you? <laughs> uh, what is it about my lack of a beard or something? No, no, ge- like generally really complimentary stuff. Let me work through. I'll be quick. My favourite one was um, about Prutz. Uh, rightly observed that he's aging like a fine wine and could serve as Ryan Reynolds stunt double. Quite enjoyed that one. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was one relating to, to Lewis. Like, let's, let's not forget, Forrest appointed a set-piece coach last week in Simon Rusk, who may or may not be out on his ear, who knows. But there's a, a suggestion that Lewis should replace him. And I just like the idea of that that set-piece strategy now being we're going to put everything top bag straight out the laces. I think yeah, that's yeah. the best possible yeah. strategy. Just do this, for, <laughs> for set-pieces. <laughs> suggestion of Pedence, who in the Greek Super League this year has played 10, scored 5, assisted 2. Has that you know that that um, history with with Nuno? So stranger things than that have have happened. Um, a shameless plug. So if you want to come, Forest Man U. Uh, I'm lucky enough to be doing a Q and A with Mark Crossley, and yeah, or hospitality, hospitality guests who come to the cricket ground can um, buy that through the Forest website. So there's my shameless plug. After dinner, speak of the year, Norm, isn't he? Temps to put in there. Did I see? No, oh, he's top class, in, isn't he? Yeah, he'd, he'd won an award there. And he, I can't remember who'd beat into the punch. So, some other glittering people. But yeah, he's, he's very funny, Norm. Very funny. If you like your cluffy stories, he's uh, he's he's one he's one of the best. And then my my final point, sorry to hog the uh, hog the mic, lads, is is just about that that connection to the club. So I'm I'm just about old enough to remember Collie Moore and Roy and finishing third in the Premier League. That was the first name I had on my back. I was really into the Prutz side particularly when Huckabee Johnson Harewood came together. That was a that was a great season. And Billy almost got it going a couple of times, didn't he? But I, I think the championship season and last season were by far my most memorable as a Forest fan. So yeah, I'll uh, I'll go silent on that. I think he might have been beaten Malatissier into the award. So God knows what Malatissier is saying yeah. these days. Oh, I mean I mean the narrative has got a it's a bit different to perhaps what Norm's talking about. True. <laughs> and also, if training is lining up all 55 players 40 yards from goal and saying smash it in the top corner yeah. and see how much bend you can get on it, Alan, I mean, that, I'm not sure that's a just, good thing. Well, let, let's uh, let's indulge me talking about Lewis just for a second. When you look at that type of thing, because and this is not being me needlessly self-deprecating, it's just completely accurate that when you look at someone that can do something that you have got absolutely no chance of ever doing, Lewis, when you run up to take a, a free kick like that back in the, I mean. You look like there was zero doubt that it would not go where it needed to go. Is it was that was that practice, natural talent, or just supreme inner self confidence? Because my friend, they were a joy to watch. Uh, I think the biggest thing was practice. I, I, it was something that I did from 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 a young age. It was actually one of I, I just was so comfortable striking a football. It was something that I always try and give uh, give advice to. To younger players now is something that my dad did. Looking at, I had two older brothers. I was the youngest. It was one of these things that I always played with a size five. No matter mm. my age, I always played with a size five football. I know people might look at that and think, but it was one of them things that I always played with the biggest ball, and it, it just allowed me to strike that ball at that age as, as it younger and younger and younger. And I just had that supreme confidence for me. Like I, I've said it to players that I've coached in the last few years. For me. Every time I got a free kick, it was a chance for me to score. That's how I looked at it. Uh, sometimes it was a chance for it was a chance for me to get me out the out the shit. Do you know what I mean? If I've been having, <laughs> uh, sometimes I look at it, I've been having. A, sometimes I'd uh, I'd have a I'd have a tough 
first half an hour and I think to myself, get a free kick, I'm thinking, here we go, this could get me out of trouble, this. So, <laughs> and that, and that's how I used to look at it. But but I do I, I do look at, you know, like you're talking about set-piece coaching and stuff like that. For me, I understand how football is evolving and football is changing. Uh, I, I just think it's just complicating stuff. I understand from a, maybe a defensive standpoint, maybe a bit more structure, a bit more looking at it. But I think from an attacking standpoint, you have you have your set-piece taker and he controls the situation. He controls where the ball's going. He controls... And that's just the way it's always been done. And I think that the way it should have been, I think you can overcomplicate stuff, especially from an attacking point of view. And that's just... Sometimes these people get... They, they start putting these jobs in and these titles. And I just think all it does is just complicate and just brings more bodies around around the training ground. What's what's not needed, but... But like I say, that's my opinion and I'm sure people have got a different opinion on it. I did see a good video of you today, or a game I remember well, against Preston, 3-0, where you scored a lovely goal and then you fell over in the celebration, if you remember that, Lewis. <laughs> I have come across it. That night was... Uh, I can remember that, that game because following that game, it was our Christmas party uh, in Manchester. <laughs> and if you can recall, just before that, for the future, I, I wore a mask. I, I, I broke my, I fractured my cheekbone, so I wore yeah. a mask for for quite a few weeks, and that was the first game that I'd uh, I'd not had to wear it, but I still had it in my bag. And for whatever reason, after the night out, uh, one of the players stole it. Just vanished. My mask vanished. Luckily enough, <laughs> luckily enough, uh, I didn't need it after that point. But yeah, it was the, that's why that game stuck in my mind because I can remember I slipped. It was very icy. On the side of the pitch, that's my that's my defense. That's <laughs> Pull the mask out your pocket, props. Pull the mask out your top drawer. Do put it on. <laughs> I don't know to this day who took it or who, you know what I mean. But yeah, they're the, they're the, like I said, they're the moments you look back on. But I've seen that game, that game, and them highlights today, and they were good times. Like I said, and that's what we look here now, and we think about Steve Cooper, and that's what we'll do in years that we'll we'll look back and we'll look at the good times and the times at Wembley and the 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 the, the stuff that is is gave the opportunity to this football club, this fan base to 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 experience and 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 it's all moments and when it's all said and done, especially football, we're all involved in it for moments and we'll all have our own individual moments that we keep close to us. So yeah, I think like I said, the most important thing now it's 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 a chapter that we 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 have to close, but we have to be respectful for what's gone before us. But the most important thing now is, who, if it is Nuno, whoever the managers come in charge, we need to help him, help the players, because, like I said, the main thing we need to stay in this Premier League. And I think it it would be a a bit of a tragedy if we if we didn't stay in the Premier League for all the for all the hard work that the manager and the players have done beforehand. Uh, laptop's dying rapidly. Battery's about to die. Temps, cut in and give us some words of wisdom before we depart as I plug in in a panic. I'll just echo what I said. Never, never forget this period of time. It is quite refreshing in a sense, isn't it, that we've, we've been so respectful for a manager that's been chopped. I will I will just re remix the, the David's point from earlier that he was given time. This this wasn't knee-jerk. This, this mm. wasn't an owner um, banging the desk after three games. He gave him an extended period of time and he had a run of... One win in twelve last season as well, which which he was forgiven for. So he was supported, he was financially resourced. Ultimately, it hasn't worked out, and that the pace of improvement hasn't matched ambition of ownership. But remember that he walked into a club who were twenty fourth in the championship 
got them out of bother inside six games. And ultimately, we had that bout at Wembley, which we'll, we'll never forget. And that, that's, for me, how he should be remembered. There aren't too many managers that leave their club 24 positions. Well, what are we? 24, 25, 28 positions higher in the mm. pyramid than he found it. And that is that is some legacy. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, it, it's it's really well put, Temps. And more often than not, when I sit and listen to you, you talk so much sense, mate, and put it in such a lovely way. Um, and the good thing is, because of what the nature of what Matt's podcast is and getting the people on that he does, you can be forgiven for being um, thoughtful and, 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 and kind of invested in it because of... I mean, if... You're not moonlighting on here if you've got nothing to do with Forest, are you? So you understand what Steve's done. And that's why, like I said, we've, we've hopefully talked about it from a journalistic point of view, from a footballing point of view. But I've worked with Steve. I've come across Steve. I, w- I texted him um, in and around the Leicester game last season and just asked, asking him if he was all right and, and got a very sensible, level-headed text message back saying, yep, it's the nature of the job. There's a lot of pressure. There's people in worse positions. We'll crack on, which is exactly that. I've, I've when the news came out, I've sent him a text. It's uh, it's not been read. We I texted. Uh, I said to Matt a couple of weeks ago when he was talking about this wonderful new kind of pivot with the podcast, and I said we need to get Steve on. Let's see if we can get Steve on. I texted him, and the silly bugger blanked me, and then realised. Then he was. He said he was watching telly, and then saw me, and then that reminded him that he'd not got back to me. So I've got a really nice voice note. And as we know, voice notes are weird in, in essence, but a really nice voice note saying, bloody hell, I completely forgot to get back to you. I'm just watching you on here. And he was lovely, really lovely. Just the type of fellow that you we all think him to be. And obviously with the, with the way things have transpired, I, I, I presume that he'll, he'll lay low for a little bit. But he, he was always, at Swansea, he was wonderful with us, um, talking in and around the games. Going into Forest, um, we did the podcast with Paul Hart and Gary Bertels doing that, and we bumped into him in the car park as he'd been to watch. I think he'd been there was a game over at Knotts that he'd been to. He said he was meeting up with all the old boys in Bridgeford during the course of the week. That was him from day one, stepping through the door, going right. I need to do that. I need to see them. I need to get these involved. I need to. I need to cover all these bases. And I think. I think what we've what we've allowed ourselves in this is um, that that. That nice little chance to reminisce, because again, working at the playoff final, there was there was, there was we had Stuart Pearce there, and then um, Steve came over to speak to us afterwards. After obviously it was all going off, it was it was a joy to watch. There was there was a there was a, there was a fellow that in in as we'd come back from a break, so I went psycho, got the thumbs up from psycho, and then he, he kind of went Putton, and he went and he said a word, <laughs> and I kind of went thanks for that, yeah. I thought that must have been picked up on the mic because it was something that a lot of people had said at the same time and just made me laugh. And then Steve would come over and start talking to us and, and he was chatting to us, oh, well, you know what it's like. And I'm, and I'm sat there going, well, I do to a degree, but Stuart Pearce is here and you've just got them in the Premier League. So, no, I don't really know what it's like. I've, there's, there's, I've got a, a wonderful passing um, uh, kind of block of time in, in, in my formative years that I'll never forget. But Stuart Pearce is Stuart Pearce. Steve Cooper's the man that got them back into the Premier League. So spending time with him has always been a joy. And that's why, like I said, forgive us for this little bit of reminiscing, but it, it's, it's just been wonderful to deal with and wonderful for the football club and will be remembered, as I said, as the best Forest manager in a generation. There'll be kids growing up going, in years, oh, Steve Cooper was the first one for me. Whereas other 
other years have got other managers, haven't they? And for this generation that sees Forest in the Premier League, Steve Cooper will be their touchstone. I'm glad you spoke for a while. I'm so out of shape. I only ran up and down my stairs. I'm like completely <laughs> out of breath. <laughs> Great graphics, pathetic. no power cable. This is the new Matt Davis, everyone. <laughs> No, no, I, you know, it looked like it was fully charged when I brought the laptop downstairs because the kids are going to bed and uh, I've obviously massively overestimated and underinvested in a new laptop for this new venture. So, yes. Um, any have you, I don't know, any final words, Lewis? You might have said them while I was gone. Anything you want to add before we depart? I'm slating you when you went. No, no. People <laughs> do that. I think everything's, I think everything's been said. Uh, I think both temps and props have, have uh, spoke very well, so I think that yeah, they've covered they've covered everything really. Good, good on them, good on them. I'm going to keep lobbying to get you on Sky Sports now, Lewis, with with uh, Prots. I'm going to be your agent, and I'll you know, take very. It's, yeah, without sounding condescending, it, it's been it's been a privilege, Lewis. It's um, I, I, I well, we had Wes Morgan on the other, other week when we did the Leicester game, and I still gently rib him about the slightly rotund chap that was a young kid at Forest that went on to lift the Premier League and still going, how on earth did that happen? That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. But the, the people that I came across. And yes. we, 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 say that again, Lewis. problem is sometimes where he still forgets that he actually has done it. That's the, crazy, that's the isn't it? He, It's crazy. Like sometimes realise you're the captain, you've won the Premier League, you've lifted the Premier League, like, you, you have to... Like, yeah, and, you yeah. know, it was, <laughs> Who's the person he is and, and, and the lad he is. Yeah, what a lad he was. Uh, Calvin Wilson said so he's the best one-on-one defender he's seen in his career. So, there you go. Never Stay, away from Morgan, Stay away from him. Stay away from him. In training. <laughs> was he one of those, life. Lewis? You, you always even knew you were going to get booted. Oh, it's you again, Wes. <laughs> you're only going to come away. You're only going to hurt yourself. So, just stay away from him. Right. Uh, I feel we've gone off on yeah. m- multiple tangents, mostly to bail me out for my laptop charger, but I certainly appreciate that. Uh, we shall probably leave it there, I think. Good of you to join us, so many people, 1,200 with us for about the last hour, and we've been going for an hour and 20 minutes. That's brilliant. Thanks for all the comments. Very much appreciated. Do like and subscribe. Do give us a good review, etc., etc., and do join us again for upcoming episodes. Back tomorrow with Seb Hutchinson, who has commentated on... Uh, pretty much uh, every Forest game. I think he's seen them all. So we're good to get his thoughts from a neutral point of view about the events of today and what will happen going forward. And then back on Thursday with a match preview and Saturday with the post-match stream straight after the Bournemouth game. Uh, Temps, thank you very much. Cheers, fellas. See you soon. Uh, you will have a good Christmas. Oh, no, I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, I'll tell you to have a good Christmas then. Prutz, uh, thank you very much. Pleasure. I hope all three of you and everyone that's been watching has a wonderful, wonderful Christmas. And yes, it's been crap and it's 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 a it's a day to hug each other on console and stuff. But as someone quite rightly put, no one's died, it's football, this is the way things go. It's been glorious. Hopefully the only way is up after this. Yes, certainly, certainly. Uh Lewis, you've been a hero of the podcast consecutive days now, and uh we shall see you tomorrow. But I shall wish you uh, a good evening. Thank you very much. No, not a problem. I can mirror mirror puts to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and like I say, a new start, a new chapter. Um, we look forward to the new year, uh, hopefully, with this football club staying in the Premier League. Yes. Oh god, don't talk about getting relegated. My my bank balance <laughs> can't handle that. So yeah, <laughs> what a note to end on. <laughs> Thanks very much, everyone. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, enjoyed your company tonight, and in the meantime, we shall see you soon. 
Sports Social Podcast Network.